Say dummy copy. Dummy copy. Hello, fellow readers. Welcome back to Dummy Copy, a book show where we talk about books. I'm Carrie. I'm Claire. How's it going, Claire? Pretty good. Yeah. I mean, after, I think I just walked up and down the stairs at Auntie's bookstore at 10 different times. Yeah. She kept forgetting things. Which is just how it goes. Yeah. So, <laughs> when we record, uh-huh. we have to talk to everybody at the register at the end of the night for about 10 minutes. Yep. Uh, and then we have to make sure the equipment is working, which yep. it almost never is. It's, it stops us every single time. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Then we have to joke about that for a while, pour yep. a couple drinks, we get mm-hmm. everything set up, then we have to smoke, Yep. then we have to talk for a long time outside and maybe yep. look at people fighting. We, we, yeah, there was which a, is a thing. There was a heated conversation in the parking lot. It's not the Andy's. first time either, actually. No, no yeah. there's a lot out there, I think. It really does. Yeah. I get really good at ignoring it. Yeah, I know. We were, we were joking about, like, what if that was just like a hidden camera show or something, and we just had the most boring response to these people yelling at each other, which is just to sort of glance in that direction for a second and then ignore that it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I would be terrible on a hidden camera show. And I think it's just from living and working downtown so yeah. long is I'm really good at ignoring the bullshit that happens. Yeah. So I just, mm, I don't know, whatever. I know it home. has to take something really extraordinary for me to pay attention. Yeah. I, I still always think about, well, maybe the listener would be interested in this. One night I was taking out my garbage and I was going to have a cigarette and I had my drink in one hand and I had the garbage in the other and I, the garbage was really heavy and I swung it and I swung it and I got the perfect arc yeah. over the top of the dumpster and I turn around to leave and I just hear, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and so I look, I look back and this man is just like sort of smiling softly at me, like oh. barely poking his head over the top and just goes, thank you. And it was, (laughs) I felt very, I felt very stymied by that. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, but people fist fighting in the parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. He and Steven, who is the building manager um, at the building that the bookstore is in, we were going over yesterday, we were like going over the like, remember that time this, remember that time this, like this whole like litany of things, which reminds like the things that do actually get our attention. It's like the time a car sort of barreled up into the loading zone in front of the divorce. Oh my God, I forgot about that. This man just fell out of it after having accidentally been shot by the other person in the car. And it was just like, like right outside the doors, you know, like it was insane. I mean, and what didn't it like, so the, the aunties has big glass windows all mm-hmm. over, and they came from the parking garage, right? And didn't yeah. they, like, get right up against the sidewalk, no. too? No, so this one was, like, oh, they this were, is a they different were on, This is a different thing. <laughs> they were on Main Street, and it, like, happened, like, one of them accidentally shot the other one on Main Street, and then they came around the corner to Washington, so we were on the corner of Maine and Washington, downtown Spokane. And they kind of came in and coasted into the loading zone, and then the one guy got out and ran around to the driver's side because it was the driver I think that got shot yeah. and like opened the door and the driver just like fell out onto the sidewalk I honestly think this is the first time I am hearing about this really I think it was before you were here maybe yeah yeah so he just like fell out onto the sidewalk and like the other person in the car was just freaking out 911 is called they came and they were like 
doing all of this like emergency resuscitation stuff right outside like Whoa. like five feet from the doors. It was so intense and so gnarly. Um, that sounds very frightening. Yeah, and like of course it was on like somehow probably Spokane News or something yeah. picked it up. So like Washington Street was closed off, but people were like wandering in through our main street doors and then just like beelining over to like rubberneck at what was happening. <laughs> oh my god! Which is when I made the executive decision that we were going to close for the rest of the night because like yeah. no, we're not providing front row seats to this drama that's happening mm-hmm. outside. Like yeah, I was I was thinking about the time that two people uh, apparently shot up mm-hmm. in the parking lot. Oh yeah, across sorry yep. the parking garage, and uh, just like drifted down the ramp and almost yeah. went barreling right into the yeah. window. Yeah, no, like the so in that instance, the driver like passed out as soon as they were coming down the ramp out of the parking garage with his foot on the gas. And so they just like slammed into a parked car, which thank goodness that parked car was there because if it hadn't, they would have just come right through the windows. And then the passenger in that instance just got out of the car and just walked away and left his friend passed out in the driver's seat, which is like, hey man, like you should probably hang out and wait. You just didn't. You just, yeah. yep, left. Well, and wasn't that like two days after somebody like pooped in the planter, yep. right? Yeah. Yep. Right yeah. in front of the windows, there's just a guy shitting in the planter right outside. It's like, hey man, thanks for, thanks for aiming for the planter. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> sorry. I am now thinking about the time that one of our friends came to visit mm-hmm. and got something out of Carrie's car, and I was outside, and he just comes up and has this. <laughs> Oh, I wish, oh, dear listener, I wish you could see the face I'm making. It says, Claire, uh, when Carrie comes out, would you mind letting her know that there is a giant pile of human shit right outside her driver's side door? I looked down and it's just... Yeah, it was just, a gnarly pile. It was huge. And it was there for like four days. And <laughs> Bennett stepped in. I know, poor Bennett. I could, I just... It's one of those things that you laugh so hard that you need to remember to say, hey, I'm so sorry I'm that so happened sorry to you. That you just stepped in human shit. We've like become so much yeah, human it's shit. It's like it was. Yeah, I don't know what that person was eating ahead of time. I don't know. Yeah, but it was big and burly and it was snowy outside. So it was also <laughs> like kind of like uh, extra moist, I think. <laughs> Yeah, it was not a nice. It's not a nice thing. We've come. We've become pretty intimately familiar with other people's shit at this job. Oh my gosh! Who knew? Who knew? That's uh, that's yeah. one of the, not a perk, but a, a feature of being a bookseller. Yeah. Sometimes no, I I applied when in twenty eighteen, bright eyed and bushy tailed yeah. as a twenty three year old, <laughs> fresh off of my ballet jobs. Mm-hmm. Where I dealt with no human shit. Even at my restaurant jobs, yeah. I didn't really deal with that much human shit. Yeah. Vomit sometimes, but... Yeah, which we've had our fair which share we also of vomit, get too. Yeah. <laughs> but I just I just had very little idea what this was going to entail. Yeah, it's an interesting, an interesting universe. Wouldn't trade it. No. At least it's, I mean, again, at least it's, you got a story out of it. Yeah. 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 You know, fuck it. Whatever, human shit. Welcome to the bookstore. Yeah. Uh, what are we talking about today, Carrie? Uh, we're just talking about uh, recent recent faves, I guess, or things we've read recently that we really dig. Um, we read a lot, and uh, yeah, sometimes it's just fun to do a little roundup of like, hey, this kind of got me going. 
So yeah, that's yeah. Kind of what we're gonna do this time. And I feel like we both picked things that talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I do. I mean, you and I have talked about this before. Just like finding yourself on a kick. Yeah. Like I think about this this time. I, I mean, I was probably like twenty four years old and like not thinking about. M- having children anytime soon or anything but I remember looking back at my list one month and being like I've read like six books about motherhood yeah. this month like yeah. that are explicitly about child rearing yeah uh, so sometimes that just happens sometimes it just lines up that way um and it certainly did for me kind of uh, at the beginning of the year this year um I so I feel like we've talked about both Mariana Enriquez and Fernanda Melchor on the show before mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but both of them have new books. Um, Marianne Enriquez, uh, her novel, first novel to be translated into English called Our Share of Night just came out um, February 7th, I believe. That sounds right. Um, and then uh, Fernanda Melchor has a collection of essays coming out in April, April of this year. Um, and Fernanda Melchor wrote um, Hurricane Season. Hurricane Season, mm-hmm. which is brutal. Brutal. Um but Hurricane Season uh, was... So Fernanda Melchor is a Mexican author. She's born in Veracruz in 1982. Um, I think her best-known novel, at least in English and maybe all across the board, is Hurricane Season, mm-hmm. which was shortlisted for the International Booker Prize in 2020. I did not know that. And it was. Um, and then Mariana Enriquez has been known in the States, at least, um, for her short stories. Um We've talked about uh, Dangers of Smoking in Bed, which was long listed for the Booker International Prize in 2021. One of the few books that I will not reread because I found it too disturbing. There are like three books on that list. Yeah. Yeah. So did you find uh, Dangers of Smoking in Bed more disturbing than uh, Hurricane Season? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think the gross up factor was pretty high for me. Um, That's fair. Yeah. And if anybody's interested in that look, it's uh, Earthlings by Siuki uh, Murata yep. and The Discomfort of Evening okay, yep. by a Dutch author whose name I'm going to mangle so you can look it up. <laughs> you can look it up. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's a fair list of books never to read again. Um, but yeah, uh, so uh, Marianne Enriquez is Argentinian. All excellent. Yeah, all excellent. Yeah. Um, Born in Argentina in Buenos Aires in 1973. And it's really interesting. Both of these women write pretty explicitly about um, sort of the violence that are happening in each of their countries and just this, like, just crazy uh, disparity between the haves and the have-nots. Just uh, sort of unimaginable um, poverty that happens. Um, And it's really interesting because I feel like they're both kind of looking at um, these really giant societal structural issues through the lens of horror to a certain extent. I feel like uh, uh, Fernanda Melchor is way more sort of like gritty realist kind of horror stuff. And um, Mariana Enriquez is a little more on the sort of um, like supernatural horror. Yeah, I feel like you could, I feel like you could talk about it as magical realism, I think, which is something that I often hate, but she does very well. She does very well. Um, But yeah, it's interesting. They both, they both uh, started out in journalism. Uh, They both are kind of informed, the writing is informed by the concept of like psychogeography, which is um, sort of the study of like how, uh, like the, the effects 
of a built environment on emotions and actions of individuals that live in that environment. And which is really interesting when you, when you think about the kinds of things that they write. Um, but yeah, I think they're both kind of tackling these like these huge issues. I, uh, uh, Fernando Maltor talks a lot about uh, the shift that happened when sort of like uh, like the narcos started moving into small outside villages around um, around Mexico and, and kind of just like running rampant. And Mariana Enriquez talks about the dirty war a lot that happens. So she was born in 73, 76 to 82 was like this time period of like this crazy dictatorship where like people were getting disappeared all the time. They were like finding mass graves, like just unimaginable horrors happening. And I think both of them are sort of grappling with this sort of collective societal PTSD that they both kind of like they both grew up in times when all of this stuff was starting to sort of explode in their respective um, uh, geographical locations. Um, but yeah, so Fernanda Melchor has a book coming out in April called This Is Not Miami. It's her first collection of of nonfiction, I guess, um, to be translated into English. But she's from journalism. Yeah. 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 Okay. She's, she's got a journalism background. Um, but there's this specific sort of flavor of journalism, I guess, in Mexico that she talks about. Um, and it's um, Chronica, uh, which is sort of like literary reporting. It's like long form. Mm -hmm. um, so like what we would think about as like quote unquote narrative nonfiction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so it kind of like it, it takes a lot from like literary like fiction conventions, but like funnels that into into nonfiction stuff. And this collection, man, it was so good. Like if you've read Fernanda Melchor, you kind of know what you're in for. But like so like when I think about hurricane season, which I also read earlier this year, um, right after I read This Is Not Miami. Did you read I was just her like, other book? Is it called Paradiso? Yeah, uh, yeah. Paradise. Yeah, Par yeah, I did mm -hmm. read that one. I read that one. That was the first book I, no, second book I read last year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> after oh, Lapvona. I remember that now. Yeah. Um, no, so she, like, she doesn't pull any punches in what she's talking about. Like, she really kind of goes for the jugular. Um, and it really works. It's it's interesting because it it feels like I mean, it's funny, both of these authors talk about having this sort of, like, panic moment when their work started being translated into English because hmm. they use a lot of um, uh, sort of machismo language. Uh, they talk really frankly about, um, uh, like, like misogynistic stuff. Uh, they use they use harsh language, and both of them talked about in different interviews this sort of panic feeling of, like, oh, hmm. my God, are people going to think that I I am this? Um, oh, interesting. But then being like, well, fuck it, man. Like, this is, you got to use the language that is appropriate to the mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, like, this is not Miami. There are some, like, really intense things. And her, so her whole thing with this, Fernando Meltra, I guess, went around Veracruz and just, like, went to, like, bars and dives and stuff and just, like, talked to people. Um yeah. She just wanted to, like, get the stories out there. Um, and so it's this collection of just, like, really intense narrative nonfiction pieces about, um, like, like the thing. So when she first started, uh, she was 19, there was this essay contest. And she had heard about a very small community outside of Veracruz where someone had um, raped and murdered his neighbor. 
and her family figured out who it was and they, it was kind of like vigilante justice because yeah. in um, these communities a lot of times women get murdered and nobody does anything. Well, it's like that book we read that wasn't that good, so I won't. <laughs> like the, it's like based on a real journalist who mm-hmm. sort of made it her mission to investigate femicide, mm-hmm. and then she gets she sometimes gets flack for being, like, a, yeah, for being yeah. a vigilante. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I guess to so this community, and they got like they got like signatures. They had two hundred signatures, and it's like a small. It was like three hundred ninety-five people lived there, so like mm-hmm. two hundred people were like, "Yes, we're going to do this." So they found this guy. They tortured him until they got a confession, tied him to a tree, doused him in gasoline, and lit him on fire. And somebody is just telling her this in a bar. No, uh, well, no, apparently this story, they filmed it. They had a VHS, (gasps) like, camcorder. They filmed it. The footage went on to, like, national news. And so when she was, like, 12 or 13, she saw this story. And so when this essay contest came out, she was like, I'm going to go there and talk to people. Yeah. And so, yeah, she just went to this community as a 19-year-old yeah. journalism student yeah. and just went around talking to people about what happened. And so yeah. the resulting essay, which uh, there's like a, a an, like a, a slightly edited version, I guess, and this is not Miami, but it's incredible. And it's so like visceral and so brutal. But also at the same time, like her, I think one of her strengths is she can tell these really horrific stories and they always feel like the humanity in them is palpable. Like it mm-hmm. never kind of crosses over into like, like trauma porn, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's like, it's just this collection of, of these really incredible essays. There's one about sort of a haunted house um, that these, this group of teens, early twenties, they go to someone gets possessed by a spirit. And then there's like this ritual exorcism that happens which again like everything in this is based on stories that people told her um and she i think she shies away from calling it straightforward journalism because she's trying to tell a good story she's trying to get sort of the uh like the feeling of what happened to these people in there which i mean she talked a lot in interviews about sort of the limitations of journalism mm-hmm. <laughs> and how this is not straightforward there's not like there's not like dates. There aren't license plates. There aren't right. case numbers. You know, yeah. it's just like these are the things people told me uh, in bars. So it, I mean, so it almost feels like an oral. Yeah, like a yeah. No, it feels like a like an oral history, but as told to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's, that's interesting. That's it's a really, really interesting incredible. mode to work in. And I literally like I so I read most of this book in one sitting, which is pretty intense to mm-hmm. do. Um, and then I that night I had a dream about all of the people in the book that I had read about up mm-hmm. until that point. <laughs> And in the dream, so, like, I was reading this home alone. I just was, like, getting all, like, creeped out. It was that haunted house story. It was just, like, so, so intense and scary and so good. And I went to bed and I had this dream that everybody in this book was coming to my house and demanding to be let in. And so I was, like, letting all these people in, but, like, remembering the details of the stories and being, like, I don't know if I want all of these people to be in my house, but I don't know what to do about it. And I feel like that kind of, like, like it yeah. just, like, invaded my psyche and oh. I, like, couldn't shake it, you yeah. know? Like, it was kind of amazing. It was a really, a that's really a, intense, amazing that's experience. Good, well, that's, a, like, a good metaphor, yeah. too, I yeah, feel like. I think what so. do you think the title references? So, um, specifically, there is uh, an essay in this about uh, these dock workers who are kind of there late at night, whatever. <clears throat> They're waiting to unload this boat that hasn't shown up yet. And uh, in the process of it, 
um, out of the water, um, like these people from, I forget where they're from, um, refugees from, from somewhere further south come out, like climb up onto the docks. They're like filthy and have clearly been through some shit, emaciated, sort of feral looking. And um, they are like, are we, are we in Florida? Like, where are we? And they're like, no, this isn't Miami. This is Veracruz. Um, And it's so intense. Like, so it's like, yeah, it's directly from like, this is not Miami. (laughs) This is like, um, and just like, yeah, like, and it's basically from the point of view of one person in particular, who's kind of young and hasn't been through that kind of thing too much. And just like, being faced with like again like just like the 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 just sheer humanity of people who have been through so much and are just trying to like get to a better place and then like just being like socked in the gut because they aren't where they think they are they got on the wrong boat they got off at the wrong stop like it was like you wait this this amount of time and then you get off the boat and you'll be in miami and it's like nope sorry not there the phrase object comes to mind yeah the the, the, uh, adjective yeah yikes no it's incredible like i i just think she's amazing just the way she can yeah can we talk about like style for mm-hmm. a minute? So the novel, the novel I read, I read Hurricane Season. Mm-hmm. It's, I feel like it's sort of notable because it is like it just, uh, it just sort of rushes. Like it's not like there's very little um, place setting. It's a lot mm-hmm. of internal monologue and there's very little punctuation. Mm-hmm. Like it feels, it feels like almost like stream of consciousness and so what is what what is the style like in a non I was I was surprised to hear that she had done a nonfiction book well in this one um I think they're all essays written between 2011 and 2017 Mm -hmm. um and Hurricane Susan came out in like 2018 because uh, I, rem- I remember yeah. returning the hardcover, which I did yeah. in well, 2020. It yeah. was it was shortlisted for International Booker Prize in 2020. Okay. So, so I think that's when it was translated. Yeah. I'm not totally sure oh, when okay. it was originally oh, written. Oh, right. Of course. Um, yeah. But, yeah. So, yeah. And, and Paradise is like this, too, where it is just like these huge blocks of just like, just like, someone just kind of like going through their sort of emotional whatever uh this is not as much like that there are like moments where there are big blocks but um because it's a little bit more on the mm-hmm. portage edge of things yeah. i think it's not it's not quite mm-hmm. as um it's not exactly like that like stylistically yeah. it's yeah. a little bit different um maybe even a little more accessible although looking through this arc there are a lot of there are a lot of just big like blocks big of text. blocks of rectangle and yeah, rectangular yeah. text, yeah. But not quite the same. Yeah, Hurricane Season. Fuck. That was such a good book, too. Man, that was such a good book. Um, yeah, I just, I think she's amazing. Um, and then, to pivot real quick, we'll go to Mariana Enriquez. Uh, her novel, Our Share of Night, just came out. Um, really, really good. It's kind of a behemoth. It's 600 pages. Um which is interesting because up until now we've only seen her short fiction, so it was really cool to see her flex in long yeah. form. Um, so six hundred pages doesn't doesn't scare me. It yeah. like kind of does, but like, but it's not so bad. Yeah, yeah, it's not like it's not like unreadably long. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's basically it's it's sort of a family saga. 
it skips back and forth in time a lot. It has a lot to do with like this sort of um, this order that worships this sort of death god and are seeking um, immortality. It focuses on um, uh, the main character, Juan, is a medium for this cult. His son, Gaspar, is showing signs that he is also a medium. And Juan is trying to keep Gaspar away from this order because this order has figured out a way to attain mortality. And it is to basically transfer their spirits into other bodies. And they want to test it out by transferring Juan's spirit into Gaspar's what body. What a fun premise. Yeah. I mean, I know it's not like a yeah. fun yeah. book, but yeah. like... <laughs> so, like, that's kind of the, the main gist of yeah. it. Um, and uh, Mariana Enriquez has said, I mean, she talks about it, it's it's fully... It encompasses the era of the dirty war in Argentina. Um, so it encompasses, you know, uh, 70s... Well, actually, 60s, honestly, because it does a, a time yeah. skip thing through, like, the 80s. Um, does it does it feel like historical fiction? There's definitely yeah. an element of that I'm, to I'm it. I'm reading yeah. War and Peace right now, and like Tolstoy, like explicitly meant it to be a historical novel. Like it has his footnotes, and so now I'm really interested yeah. in <laughs> the historical fiction as a yeah. as not just women looking away. Yeah, no, on the cover of books. Well, yeah. So it's interesting too because it like it touches on so much of sort of Argentinian like political history, but also just the fact that like so many people that live in Argentina now are from Europe. Like so many oh, yeah. people came over from like Sweden or England or whatever. Oh, a, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. like Juan is this like super tall blonde dude, you know? Yeah. Um, well from, I mean, especially after the second world war, yeah. like my boyfriend, like, I mean, like famously it's where like a lot of Jews and Nazis mm -hmm. ended up. Yeah. I mean, famously Nazis. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Which, so I, my boyfriend makes a lot yeah. of jokes about Nazis in Argentina <laughs> yeah. is where that was going. But, but yeah, yeah, I mean, that is. Um, and uh, and in this one, no one is expressly a Nazi. Like, I don't think anybody actually comes from that. But, yeah. but there are these wealthy families that came to Argentina and sort of figured out, like, the right properties to buy and yeah. what side of things to be on and mm -hmm. are kind of working alongside this this uh, the forces of this dictatorship to um, like a I don't she so she, Mariana Enriquez has a quote there's something about the scale of cruelty and political violence from the state that always seems like the blackest of magic to me like they have to satisfy some ravenous ancient god that demands not only bodies uh, but needs to be fed their suffering as well oh, and so yeah. that I feel like in in a phrase that sort of encapsulates the vibe of our sheriff night. Mm -hmm. So it's a super these three super wealthy families who own like mate um, uh, plantations mm -hmm. and have all of this property and and they're working with dictatorships. So the you know the the baddies in the dictatorship disappear people and then provide them to this order and then the order sort of sacrifices these people to the darkness mm -hmm. and. Juan is the person who the darkness manifests through. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, like kind of starts with Juan and Gaspar running. And then there's like a time skip to like his wife who has died under mysterious circumstances. Mm -hmm. um, so it like jumps back to England in the 60s and they're mm -hmm. like hanging out there and doing drugs and whatever. And then it like jumps up forward to the 80s and Gaspar has kind of grown up and they're living in this like weird mansion in the middle of sort of the slums. And he's like running around with his friends and it's it's just like this really it's it's a saga it's a family mm -hmm. saga but it touches on so many aspects of sort of the political climate in that time yeah and it's it's interesting cuz i think i think 
culturally, at least, at least I think in like your in my circles, but I think like as a culture at large, we're like pretty. We've gotten pretty comfortable with the idea of of horror mm-hmm. as a genre, uh, like being really neat allegories for sort of the pains of living mm-hmm. in the modern age. But it's not often like super, like quote unquote literary yeah you know yeah. <laughs> like when I think yeah <laughs> both of these authors fall into the category of literary horror and Mariana Enriquez talks about how like in like the canon of Latina um or Latine uh literary whatever like there isn't much of a tradition of horror mm-hmm. like there's magical realism stuff yeah um Famously, yeah. But there isn't a whole lot of horror. And so in a lot of ways, I feel like these two authors and and others too, there are many others doing this, but actually like a literary experience. It was um, sort of the factual recounts of the human atrocities that took place under this dictatorship. So um, there were trials, they were televised, um, Live, uh, there was a, a book that was compiled with sort of the transcripts of, of all of these things that people were talking about. And her parents actually sort of encouraged her, like, no, look at this. Like, it wasn't a thing. She was, I don't like 13, 12 or 13 um, when all of this was going on, when there was this sort of like societal reckoning um, with the fucking shit that, that had gone on in the past decade. Um, and so, yeah, it was like, that was, I, I don't know, it feels foundational to me, like, that that you would read these things as a kid, and then, like, the rest of your life, you're kind of grappling with, like, well, how does something like this happen? Yeah, no, it, and, and I just, I just, like, keep going back to how people find the lens of, I mean, I think we feel comfortable describing it as horror yeah. writing, like, yeah. to explain it, which is, like, we're comfy with it, but there's like no, there's no camp in that experience. No, like, yeah. Carrie and I were talking. Carrie and I were talking off mic about like if you asked the average American horror writer like what their first experience with horror would be, they would. Yeah, I mean, they would not say, "Well, the horror of uh, human rights abuses." Right. Yeah. They would say Stephen King. Right. Yeah. Or yeah. This this B movie I saw when I was ten. You yeah. Know, like some I mean, midnight movie which, which are also like I mean they are like again just like good metaphors like yeah. good allegories yeah yeah and i think i mean i think horror in general really does sort of grapple with like like shit that's going on societally that you don't really know how else yeah. to deal with um but yeah that's a pretty direct thing and i think both of these authors are kind of grappling with yeah sort of psychic residue of you know huge societal traumas and how this sort of collective PTSD thing um, plays out in the years that follow you know these these really horrible things that happen yeah. to people um, so yeah I don't know I think they're just really they're just really good and they I mean again like strap in and be ready like if you're gonna read either one of these authors you're gonna read some fucking shit but I feel like the humanity is there I feel like it doesn't get too gratuitous um there are definite moments where you're just like, oh, I need to take a shower. But, but you know, I think it's getting at something. It's getting at a, a, a deeper sort of truth, if you will, not to be too weird about it. Yeah, I do. I mean, and I, I really, 
don't know. I really connect to the I need to take a shower moment. Mm. And I, I also think it's useful to in, like interrogate that. And yeah. if it, but I, I mean, I do. I mean, you you brought up something that Marlon yeah. James yeah, said yeah, once. Yeah. What did Marlon James say about this? So it, was just, it always comes back to Marlon James. <laughs> um, sort of this philosophy that sometimes one needs to risk pornography in the portrayal of violence is the. Yeah, I mean, and I think that pornography feels apt because if we're talking about it like on a purely craft level, Mm -hmm. like if something's making you feel like you need to take a shower, like it also, uh, like the old pornography line, you know, when you see it, like you you know if it's gratuitous or not, or you know if it's speaking to something. And I, if there is maybe something I could, I wish I could say to sort of my younger self is like, trust yourself about what you think is prurient and what mm-hmm. you do not think is prurient. Yeah. 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 I don't know if we're just sort of like a tangential note to <laughs> perhaps end on. Do you have any thoughts, Carrie? No. Final nope. thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, uh, Carrie's uh, had a bad cold I for a this, long time. I had COVID at the beginning of January and the cough. Well, I got COVID and then I was pretty okay and then I got this horrific head cold. And now this cough, like everything else is fine, but this cough just persists. It's so annoying. Dude, immediately after you told me that you got a bad head cold, I like, I like was like texting my boyfriend to be like, it's so unfair. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I feel like I was yeah. sick for like, like a three quarters straight. of January yeah. at least. Yeah, it was so stupid. Ugh, and now stupid. we're halfway into February and it's still just like, oh, excuse me, I'm coughing. So mm-hmm. that's, a, that's the Dickensian orphan noise that yeah. Carrie is making. Yep, sorry, yeah. sorry guys. So Claire, what have you read recently that you were super into? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Ah, oh, gosh. Yeah, the most fascinating way to talk about things you've read is just being like, I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I read uh, some stuff. I did get on a kind of a kick, not that recently, um, but a few months ago, where I just like kept reading um, these novels about women who are on benders. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I remember, like, one of our coworkers was once talking about a honestly pretty forgettable short story to me. And he goes, I kind of love, like, hangout stories. <laughs> but they are. They're kind of like hangout novels. Like, yeah. not a lot happens, and you just sort of get to know people. So the, the first one I talk, want to talk about is a, is a novel called Acts of Desperation by an Irish writer named Megan Nolan. Okay. Do you know anything about this, Carrie? I don't, know. Yeah, Jai recommended this to me. Oh, or Jai. Actually, Jai didn't even recommend this to me. We were just, like, both looking at it on the shelf mm-hmm. once, and we were like, huh, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> then he read it, and then I was like, well, we'll take it home. Mm-hmm. And it's so... It was just... I was so glued to it. Oh. Um, so it's about a very young Irish woman living in Dublin who meets a man in a library named Kieran, who actually, I will get back to this. Okay. But, um, <laughs> and so they're living like a really hard partying lifestyle. Both mm-hmm. of them, they're drinking a lot, they're doing a lot of drugs. And immediately when she meets, her, meets him, he, she just thinks he's like too beautiful to be alive. He's an art critic, she's an aspiring writer, but mostly cobbling together jobs. Mm-hmm. She is in, I think in, in the novel, she's supposed to be 19 or 20, she's very young. Um, and the relationship uh, quickly becomes what uh, anybody who's 
been on Instagram in the last 10 years would <laughs> classify as very abusive. Okay. Um, and it's sort of just like charting this relationship. Uh, and it, and it, it is one of those things where you're reading it and you're reading to it and it's just, it's just sort of an, an account of like various benders and various like just like really savage interactions with this horrible boyfriends and just like these like kind of abject situations and you're like why is this so why is this so interesting I mean A because it's well written Mm -hmm. and you like wonder and it I think it sort of makes you wonder about yourself because I felt it felt really familiar to me I think like I I spent a lot of time thinking about like power dynamics in um, like heterosexual relationships and like also the degree of complicity that women have in their own subjugation. You and I have talked about this. Yeah. Yeah. Probably for like days. <laughs> like, you know, you know, when people are like, oh, the, all the Beatles music is really only 60 hours. I bet like we have like a hundred <laughs> hours of me talking about complicity and yeah. like gendered, <laughs> like gendered views. Um, yeah, I mean, and it is, it is, it's, it's hard to read, but it's, it's also funny. Like the voice feels really authentic, uh, and then it also like has it, uh, and I think the thing with these kind of hangout novels is that it often is able to in, like encapsulate a lot. Like she's kind of a, the narrator is kind of a somebody who is from a small Irish town and moves to the big city and is like really trying to cobble together a life like mm-hmm. money is a concern always um, and then also her beauty um, and like towards the end of the novel she is like often um, I, so this is the this is the thing I wanted to tell you is that in a in I fear my pain interests you mm-hmm. which hopefully the show where we talk about that book will have come out by the time we were talking about this. <laughs> they name check this novel and they point out that she like literally thinks about her boyfriend as God. Mm, um, and there is even a line in the beginning of the novel where she um, she talks about she thought about being like uh, she says being in love blesses you with a sort of grace like she thinks about it as something that takes it takes you outside of yourself like a religion or whatever and it like you get the feeling that it doesn't necessarily matter how much it lands and so she quickly finds herself doing all of these kind of domestic chores for this man who's really like angry and hateful to her and the entire time they're together um, he's carrying along the carrying on this like really intense relationship with his ex-girlfriend via email mm. and she's like snooping in his emails and he talks about her and he's really unkind to her yeah and it was just it was just something I like couldn't quite figure out the hold it had on me yeah. like I, I don't know I don't I like I'm not sure I have a lot of great analysis for it honestly yeah. um, and and I do like I, I do think about it a lot. Uh, I, I do think about it a lot as sort of like a. I think that people who, with sort of maladaptive coping mechanisms, like I do think uh, they understand that it's often a shield for like placelessness. And I do think the book ends up being a lot about her trying to find, like, it is. She's, like, cobbling together at their job. She's not really writing. She says she's a writer, but she's not really writing, except in her journals constantly. Yeah. 
Um, and this sort of like self-immolation that she's doing in one way or another all the time, like mm-hmm. ends up feeling like a like a real becoming. I mean, not to not to make like an abusive relationship sound like it sound like it's like a on purpose thing right. to like become a different person. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and it was uh, and it was like at times pretty funny like there's this one moment where she's like cheating on her abusive boyfriend which is eventually how the spoiler novel ends <laughs> yeah uh, but she um, yeah it's it's so funny she says uh, being young and beautiful felt a lot sometimes felt like it translated into real world power but money shat all over it every time. <laughs> like, and that's really funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But it is like the most abject scenarios where like just this man is like yelling at her for chewing gum. And at the end of it, she's just like like walking on eggshells all the time yeah. in a way that felt really um familiar to me. Yeah. Yeah, and it was so it was so it was so weird. I don't think you and I have talked about Sally Rooney much on this podcast. No. I'm probably confusing it with the many thousands of hours I have spent (laughs) talking about Sally Rooney in my daily life. And probably it's just because she's Irish and Mm -hmm. she, like, is a, the narrator is a, like, quote, unquote, like, masochistic woman. They get get compared a lot in reviews. Mm. But this narrator was so visceral. Like, it's on... Uh, it's almost like, we, man, we really got to make sure this episode comes out before yeah. this one we're doing now. It's <laughs> yeah. almost like when I, in I Fear My Pain Interests You, how, like, detached the narrator felt. Yeah. And I know it made, like, narrative sense, but it also, like, it didn't make it sense about how she was, like, ruining her life for these dudes. Yeah. But in, in this... In this book, like, you feel her abjection. Yeah. Like, she does. It, like, becomes very very apparent that she thinks about Kieran as this exalted being that she's afraid of. And then so when she defies him, like, when she goes out and parties and gets drunk or does whatever, you're scared for her, like, because of her emotional detachment and his anger. Yeah, it was just really... I mean, it just, like, it just really had a hold on me. Yeah. But again, not a lot happens. Yeah. Like, yeah. she parties, Kieran is mean to her. She parties, Kieran is mean to her. Yeah. Like, it. I, yeah, I mean, it's a hangout novel, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other thing, I read, I read several novels in a row that sort of, uh, like felt like had this hang out with sad women under the thrall of various problems uh, but probably I mean definitely the best one and definitely in my top ten of last year mm-hmm. was uh, a novel called Problems by Jade Sharma uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm just gonna list the narrator's problem okay heroin addiction yep master's thesis not mm. in Hates her husband. <laughs> Affair. Not going that well. <laughs> In-laws. Very religious. See above. Heroin addiction. <laughs> and affair. Her mother. Dying of MS. Eating disorder. And by the end of the, the book, um, sex work. Although that doesn't seem to be much of a problem for her, which we will get into. Mm, okay. Um, this is a hilarious book. Yeah. It is so funny. And again... Not that much happens. It's yeah. just her life. But the, I mean, I guess 
creative writing people would talk about a voice and she just has such a voice mm-hmm. I should say this novel is called Problems by James Sharba um and that it is it's so it's so slim like it's a, it's not very long every paragraph is just like a little like a little punch and I, I found out today even when I was like trying to figure out how to talk about this book that she has a slam poetry background oh which makes sense yeah because the book is like half zingers uh-huh. which sounds like it could be kind of hack yeah but it's really not yeah. like it's just it's so well done um and so I think I will just uh, yeah, so essentially it's about um, a young woman who is married, who is addicted to heroin. I mean, she says at the beginning, she says, I'm not addicted to heroin because I never do it three days in a row. <laughs> there you uh, go. I've been to same AA meetings. That's not how it works. <laughs> but <laughs> um, Who is like married to a man who she says... Um, she's an uh, she is an East Asian woman with an eating disorder, and so she, of her of her husband, she says he never bought anything nice for himself. And like sometimes I felt this is not a direct quote. Sometimes I felt like an extension of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, it has all of the same parts as <laughs> the skinny one. <laughs> yeah, I mean she's just like so absorbent and lovely. Um, and so through the course of the novel, she divorces her husband. Um, the man she's having an affair with leaves her. She her addiction becomes worse. She turns to sex work, and then at the end of the novel, she like kind of gets clean. Like she's like kind of noncommittal about it. It takes mm. up two pages, and it's just like, well, sometimes you just stop doing drugs. Sometimes you <laughs> don't buy a dog because that fills the days. Like sometimes, <laughs> like sometimes, yeah, just like it's not. It is not a narrative necessarily. Um, but she is just so. F- Funny, and so I'm gonna read some zingers. Okay. Behind every crazy woman is a man sitting very quietly, saying, "What? I'm not doing anything." <laughs> <laughs> I want a father. This so she is talking to the man she's having an affair with, who is kind of noncommittal. I want a father figure, not an actual replacement for my actual father, who actually neglected me. This isn't Freudian. This is just retarded. <laughs> and I'm sorry for saying the R word, but it's. <laughs> And then her husband says to her, you don't understand why it makes me feel bad when you ask me not to speak when Benedict Cumberbatch is on the TV. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it just feels so real to me. I mean, and there is this, like, funny moment where um, the sex scenes in this book are very graphic, which, like, just really lends it, like, really amazing texture because it just, again, like, the verisimilitude... Is that how you pronounce it? I think so. I felt really sure about how to pronounce that word, and then I heard somebody, I think, mispronounce it three years ago, and now I always <laughs> second-guess myself. Yeah. But there's this moment where um, she, for one of her clients, when um, she is doing sex work, she's, like, kind of outside of herself, and she, like, imagines, like, a commercial for a woman's body, mm-hmm. like, as, like, a car commercial, roomy enough to accommodate two infants and <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing. Um, and it, it is interesting. In reviews I read, uh, people kind of, they they talk about, like, the kind of the feminist vision of it and then also the quote-unquote, like, not very feminist things she says. And it just it just feels like life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really, it really is. It's amazing. I would, I would really encourage you to pick it up um, and... I 
didn't know this until after I finished it. And I went to work and I was like raving about her. And again, Jai. Yeah, Jai. Um, he said, you know, she she died, right? Um, yeah, and it, uh, it was really tragic. It sounds like she died of uh, a heroin overdose that may or may not have been intentional. Mm. And there are all of these, like, just sort of amazing, like, beautiful, touching elegies that are on the internet. Mm-hmm. And the one that comes to mind is a close friends of her at, um, I believe it is Coffee House Press that put out her book. Um, and the first line is, Jade Sharma fucking died. <laughs> And that sounds harsh, but that's how she would have wanted me to say it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like a real voice and a real presence. And I would encourage, I would encourage you to pick it up because it is, it just, like, I don't think I have a more articulate way to say it, but it just feels like life. Yeah. Yeah. So on a, on a lighter note. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, dude, Carrie, I never get tired of talking about weird bookstore stuff. No. No. Because it never gets old. And there's <laughs> always old. something new and weird to talk about. So last night, mm. uh, friend of the show, Jordan Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> friend of what, the show. Was at uh, was at the convention center across the street from our store. Yeah. Yep. And for months we knew this. And I was aware of it because my boyfriend sent me a... Um, it was the day after Valentine's Day. And my boyfriend sent me an email and said, I bought us, bought us tickets. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, which is not true. Which is not true. Yeah. No. But I we knew. were, like, prepared for the horse shit yeah. of Peterson we're bros coming in. to go, yeah. like, what is this going to be like? Because we do get, we have the theater crowd. Yeah. Like, people oh, just yeah. kind of mill in before they see shows. Yep, like, yeah. shows generally start, like, doors are at 6.30, shows at 7.30, and so people just kind of kill time here because we're close. Um, yeah, and I think the, like, best event parking is behind yeah. the building, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we were kind of just like, oh boy, what's this going to be like? I learned about it because Jai, Jai, again, <laughs> was like, hey, do you know Jordan Peterson's going to be here on this day? And we were like, oh shit, really? And he's like, yeah, that's why I asked for it off, which is <laughs> not actually why he asked for it off, but he had it scheduled off. <laughs> so yeah, we were ready. We were ready for people to come in and be like, do you have this book? And like quiz us a little bit or whatever. It ended up being... Oh, it's fine. I mean, I do. And and I did. I, like, wondered about, like, what degree I was, like, projecting Mm -hmm. about, like, the vibe or, like, the kinds of people that were there. I mean, but I did, man, I did look out the window and look at the people who were paying for parking. And I was shocked. It was so many couples. Yeah. And I was, like, fun date. Yeah. Like, (laughs) oh, my God. Yeah. They did the real, the real deal that. Russell made a joke about. Yeah. Happy oh, man, Valentine's Day. Wild. We're going to see Jordan Peterson. I mean, and then the other thing is that everybody was kind of dressed the same. Yeah, that which, was the weird thing. But then the other thing I wondered, is it like just, is that just how like dudes of a certain age at a certain economic bracket dress? Maybe. Yeah, yeah it was a lot of like blazers. Well, a lot of blazers, like, overplaid with hunter boots. Yep, yep. That was kind of like the a lot uniform. Of, like, a lot of haircuts. A lot of black plastic rim glasses. Yeah. A lot of haircuts, yeah. 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 Shiny shoes. Yeah, a lot yeah. of shiny shoes. Oh, I did, I did with think denim. about those shiny shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Shiny shoes with jeans. It was yeah. definitely a, a type. Yeah. It was interesting. And I, we definitely had this moment of, like, I recognize it in myself 
any dude that came in, I was just like, are you going to Jordan Peterson right now? Like, oh, I know. Totally one, of like, our, one of our favorite local authors. We should just name him because we love yeah. him so much. Yeah. Shan Ray. Shan Ray. We love you. Yeah. Shan came in. Yeah. And we were both just like, <gasps> yeah. And he, would, he so. was not going to Jordan Peterson. No. no. He, was, he was not. He no. was just being a lovely person. He was just being a lovely With person. With his lovely wife. As usual. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was funny though. It yeah. was funny. I mean, it is like, like event night at the Performing Arts Center is always like uh, yeah kind of it's kinda, such a weird mixed bag of humanity yeah because you know? it's like I think it brings people down who don't usually come yeah, down a lot yeah. or people that do but like I don't know <clears throat> it's so weird to like see not just with the Jordan Peterson thing last night but like how people dress for different things yeah. you know like remember when Wicked was here yeah and there were so many like like black tights with moons and like sort yeah. of like yeah. like softly bitchy yeah. things yeah. like it's so funny to see like what each show kind of brings yeah. out, like what type of person <laughs> comes out for it. The Wicked People were lovely. Like, Wicked People were definitely, yeah. I mean, you could say based on a book, you know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. And yeah, um, we sold a lot of copies of Wicked. We did, which was, yeah. Or like when Hamilton came through for two or three weeks or whatever it was. It was a <laughs> long one. It was a long um, one. It was a long one. But I got to tell all of my Hamilton jokes, which was very gratifying <laughs> for me. <laughs> Red new of Hamilton jokes. <laughs> I do. I, I got a lot. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I mean, musical theater. Yeah. The ballet girls loved Hamilton. And yeah. I just remember being like 23 years old and just like being like, if I have to hear somebody singing Hamilton one more time. <laughs> Yeah. See, anything gets old after too many times. I mean, especially that. Yeah. yeah, Not, I I have not seen Hamilton. I have not listened to any of the soundtrack. I am a Hamilton virgin. I'm fine with that. I'm going to keep it that way. I'm saving myself for death. (laughs) I have so many opinions. Yeah. Uh, welcome to Demi Cavi, the podcast where Claire keeps her opinions to herself. There we go. Mostly. So, at least in terms of <laughs> Hamilton. <laughs> it would not be kind. Well, there you go. <laughs> We're all about being kind on this show. <laughs> uh, we have an Instagram. We do. We have an Instagram that we both just forgot. We just forgot it because we just changed it. But it is dummy.copy.tpg. That's our Instagram account. Drop us a line. I'm curious about uh, what South American literature you've read yeah. that maybe refutes some of our opinions. Yeah. I'm curious yeah. about the Hangout novels you've read recently. Yeah. yeah. I'm very curious. I'm curious about anything. Tell us, tell us what we should read next. I don't know. Slide into our DMs. Actually, kind of looking for something too. So, yeah, I know. We're always looking for something. Okay. All right. Well, have a good night, y'all. Bye.